you are now tuned into VOK on WARG, a podcast of Ice and Fire affiliate. And now, the review no one's been waiting for. After so many delays, finally, Halloween can begin. No. Now it ends. Welcome, gentle listener, to another edition of the Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, also known as Kevin Pendragon on Discord, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Glenn. Hi there. Glenn, um, sorry, my name is Glenn Tacos Rivers on the forums and Discord. And today we will be discussing 2022's Halloween Ends, the third film in the Blumhouse requel trilogy, directed by David Gordon Green and co-written by Green and some other writers. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Andy Matichak, Rohan Campbell, Kyle Richards, Will Patton, and it features James Jude Courtney as Michael Myers in a cameo appearance. Halloween Ends was released to overwhelmingly negative reviews from critics and moviegoers. As the time I wrote this, it was sat at 39% 39% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and 45% on Metacritic. So before we begin recording the Apple <laughs> actual episode, I just want to say that getting together to record the episode, just doing this, how many times have we tried? Many. Um, so some some my fault, some your fault. So initially it was just an issue of, um, I think I got confused with the time difference and i was expecting to see you logged in at um maybe it was 7 p.m my time but then that would have been too late yeah or or you know it was basically a time difference issue the first time um then the second time i can't remember what happened but you had maybe forgotten that it was you you had um thought it was a different day yeah i kind um, of forgot um, then I'd done the same thing to you the, the next time. <laughs> and then uh, before we knew it, it was December. And then, oh, well, um, yeah, initially we wanted to record it before Halloween and have it released on the website for Halloween as a, as the Halloween episode. But mm-hmm. then because we never got around to recording it, then it, we kept delaying it and um, we talked a few times about recording in December and November, but luckily we've we've um, got something together now. Yeah, we we've been trying, we've been fighting for our lives since <laughs> hollow, for, since November of 2022 to get this episode out. Um, I wanted to mention that because we've done all the other Halloween movies already, so we're kind of like the Halloween homies, we're the ghoul guys, and maybe people have been waiting for our opinions. I don't know, but we have been trying. And um, we're, we finally got it together and we're here today to discuss this movie. And I wish we had good news, but I, I don't want to speak for you, but I don't think you like this movie either. <laughs> well, I was um, thinking back at the time I had gone to the cinema to see it. And then I came back and sent you a message saying just out the cinema and I gave it a five out of ten at the time. I think, um, well, I, I'll... I'll reserve judgment at the moment until I watch I watch it again. But I've just bought it on DVD, and um, which should arrive in the next few days. So I'm going to watch it again, and I think possibly I could bump it up to a six out of ten. 
but um, it's it's certainly well, it's not the worst in the Halloween series because um, I would I would put that I would put the um, the Rob Zombie movies in that category for myself. Um, those are movies that I just never watch, and then but it's certainly sort of somewhere in the middle in terms of the Halloween. It's not the best, but it's not the worst. No, it's definitely not worse than the Rob Zombie movies. I do think Resurrection is still the the pits. It's still the mm. uh, this like the the lowest of the seven hells when it comes to Halloween the Halloween franchise. But I do think that this movie, taking the opportunity that it had, like it having Jamie Lee Curtis come back after what happened with Halloween um, Resurrection and that mess, having her come back, having so many of the original stars come back. You have all this potential and then you squander it on what is essentially this homage or this uh, love letter to Stephen King. And um, what is that movie? The car movie, Christine. And then oh, yeah. to be so heavily inspired or influenced by Halloween three, which did not have Michael Myers in it because this <clears throat> movie does not have Michael Myers in it. I it's just such a missed opportunity. I have not felt this disappointed since I went to go see Prometheus in theaters. I know a lot of people that defend that movie to this day, but to have Ridley Scott come back like so many people wanted for the Alien franchise and for that to be the movie was a huge letdown. And for this to be the last time Jamie Lee Curtis is ever going to face off against Michael Myers, I want to throw myself down. I want to climb up that spiral staircase in this movie and just throw myself off because <laughs> that is it's just so disappointing. But let's... Um, but, oh, no, sorry, well, go it goes back to when we first done a review of the 2018 movie and I had said that every time they reboot this franchise, they come back with something that's really strong and tw- um, the 2018 movie had some of the best ratings since probably the original movie in 1978. But then I I had a feeling that these follow-up movies would not be as good. And as we predicted, um, so both financially and also quality-wise as a movie, they both there was an obvious down, downfall in both of the movies since the 2018 movie. Mm-hmm. And then with this one, it's um, it had one of the the worst second weekend falls of like a major movie. So an eighty percent drop from weekend one to weekend two. Yeah, that word of mouth. I'm I'm pretty sure yeah, that absolutely took the wind out of the sails because people. I I would say that some of it might ha- might have been to COVID because they had to do the dual releases of like direct to streaming and also in theaters. That's right. It's um, the the peacock thing. How much that actually impacted on people going out to see it. So that's that is one thing um, because you wouldn't have that with the first movie. Um, the twenty eighteen movie had no peacock, but then the other two did. Um, so that may have had a. I don't think a huge impact to the box office, but there may have been a few million that decided to watch it at home rather than wait the cinema to see it yeah I, I don't think it had a huge impact it did do something but i do think the quality had a much more much more of an impact on who's True. coming to watch it all right so as is tradition for a vok episode we will be grading using a unique system and i think this time we can do pumpkin pies so glenn using the five pie system 
how many would you give Halloween ends? And um, then you could do your whole review thing. Yep. Okay, I'll um, I'll give it a three. So three out of five. Um, so I things that I did like about the movie is that um, I guess from you know if we use the trilogy, um, well I think that the trilogy worked works together like the three movies back to back um i can see that they've started to sell each of these movies um as its own trilogy on dvd um so one follows the next um and i feel like the um it's it's good that they have um i guess the first movie followed by the second and then i guess Sort of, um, sort of the Halloween ends uh, to tie it up. So I, I really liked the <laughs> the Corey story. I know that a lot of people hated it, but I did like um, following that story and um, seeing where it went. Um, I know that a huge criticism of the movie is that Har- Michael Myers is hardly in the movie. But then, when I was looking back over the other movies, I realized that. Typically, Michael Myers isn't in those movies either, but it just felt like more prominent compared to this movie. Um, things that, um, well, um, of course, um, good to see, of course, Andy Matichek and Jamie Lee Curtis back for it. Um, I guess things that I didn't like was the ending. So I feel like if the ending had a much better way to kill Michael Myers than, like, even even when I was in the cinema at the time, I could hear people all around me saying, that was horrible, that was rubbish, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so I feel like the ending is where it could make it a much better movie. That, um, like, if we look back to Halloween H2O, which isn't a great movie, but it's got one of the best ending, well, it's got the best ending of the Halloween series, then I feel like if they had something really good, like a good way to end Michael Myers, which I didn't think they had in this movie, then it could have maybe made it up to maybe like 3.5, maybe a 4 for myself. Um, so I didn't like the ending. I did think that it maybe was a bit too long compared like maybe if you shaved off maybe 20 minutes of it, then it would have been just right. Yeah, too much focus on Corey compared to our star, which is, of course, Laurie. The ending, I do agree with you about the ending. Um, I like the procession scene. Oh, one thing, um, I got, I tried to avoid spoilers as much as possible, but I got on YouTube and like on my recommendation page, someone had uploaded like Halloween procession scene. And like, you already know what that means. So I was like, what? How? <laughs> what? The, I wasn't even on Peacock or anything. How would you? I got spoiled that way. But I do like the idea of the procession scene. I, I like everyone coming together, kind of Avengers style to like deal with Michael Myers since he's supposed to have been this huge threat. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the blend his body up scene. Like, I know that's some, something that like fans talk about. Like, when you get the killer, you gotta blend him or you gotta chop him up and send his body to the four corners of the earth. I think it's either fire or decapitation. Like, that's much more interesting to see than putting him in a giant car crusher. Mm. And 
I the, about the ending too is it's another scene again where because Michael's not interested in Lori, we have to contrive a way for him to be brought to her house. So it's again, it's not like this movie has nothing about them coming together to fight. It's kind of just like an end accident again that they have this final battle. So it just feels really em- empty. But um, let me give my pumpkin pie review. So yeah, initially I was gonna give it like two point five pies out of five. But I'm going to bring it down to a two. I kind of want to give it a one. Um, mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, I feel like they have a, they had a lot going for them because no one was expecting Halloween reboot. When Jamie Lee Curtis died in that movie, we kind of just figured, okay, that's it. That's, this is never going to happen again. But then she comes back for another series and it starts off really good. And then they just drop, drop it uh, almost immediately with Halloween kills. Um, I went back and listened to our episode, and I kind of didn't express during that episode how much I didn't like it. I know we kind of had fun talking about it, but yeah, I was really disappointed with that. So my expectations were really low with this movie. And then we get the Corey Cunningham story, and I I am one of those people that I don't like the character. I feel like he should have been introduced in Kills or Part 1 or, excuse me, Halloween 2, 2020, 2018, excuse me. Either that or have him have that boyfriend character be him. Someone else mentioned. Yes, I I was watching a different review and someone else mentioned that the boyfriend character should have been Corey Cunningham from the beginning. So he's not this new element that comes out of nowhere and steals the show. Um, I think it's a really wrongheaded idea to make Halloween ends be an homage to like a different movie about a killer car. I've never seen Christine. Um I'm pretty sure it's a good short story by Stephen King or a good novel, but it just has no place here in this Halloween franchise. Um, I think that this movie, the plot was really simple. It was, it should have been simple. It's just Lori hunts Michael. Lori finds Michael. They fight and she kills him. I've seen other reviews where people say that's kind of what's always happened. It's boring. It's stale. We've seen it again and again, but we've never seen it really good. Like, can we get that? very basic um salt and pepper story but really done well if that if we could have gotten that that this would have been an excellent sequel because no one's really going into a halloween movie expecting to have their you know ex- to have their subversions to have the ex- expectations be subverted excuse me mm-hmm. no, no one's coming into this with like a game of thrones mindset of like i want this to reinvent the genre this birth the genre just let it be good right so, yeah, I was very disappointed that they just didn't follow the very simple formula and they made it about this new guy who um, I don't find him very interesting. Um, the whole thing with him and uh, Lori's granddaughter, I forget her name. Um, it just it, it feels weird. It kind of at points I was thinking that maybe they were going to like go down a dark path together and start killing people together. And this was going to have to be something Lori has to deal with. But no, it's just Corey. And then the mystical aspects that we'll get into with the um him being connected to Michael and having these healing powers and the transference of evil as a virus. Uh, all interesting ideas. But then again, that goes into like we're explaining what Michael is and where he comes from and what he can do, which I don't think Halloween movies should do. Uh So, yeah, I would. And I again, I think that making this movie into Halloween three and changing the way it looks like. Because this movie is very blue, like the col- like the color scheme is much different than the previous two movies. Like this one just doesn't fit in. 
it just it just stands out as like something it, it feels like the start of a new franchise rather than the end of an old one because i i just got the feeling the entire time they were making Corey Cunningham, the new Michael Myers, because they were going to kill Michael, but they don't want that character to die. They don't want the mask, the shape to die. So that's why he was introduced. And their names are the same. They both wear, you know, the blue jumpsuits, whatever. Isn't it so convenient that Corey Cunningham is a mechanic and that he has a blue jumpsuit so he doesn't have oh, to go fi- find one? It, it just feels so weird and forced and out of place. But that's my, those are my rambling thoughts. Um, Two pumpkin pies to the face of David Gordon Green, who in the interviews I've read like this, he all of this was like intentional. Like he he wanted to go in this direction. He wanted to for this to be Christine and to be a love letter, to be a romance. And it's just like it's Halloween. Michael kills people. Michael dies. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's all. Um, so, yeah, those are our reviews. We're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, Glenn and I are going to discuss more of the movie. And now a word from our sponsor. This was going to be a really funny joke if we got it out during Halloween because I was going to do a silver shamrock commercial, but now it doesn't really work. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do something else. But um, so we're back. Um, you talked a little bit about that this being that this trilogy, it fits, it all goes together. Um, but originally that it was supposed to be just Halloween 2018. And That's Halloween true. Ends. Um, and just on the back of the success of Halloween 2018, they then decided on these. No doubt, even if I guess Halloween 2018 did maybe $50 million at the box office, there would have been sequels. But because it was such a huge success for the franchise, then this prompted the, you know, this trilogy of movies. So, yeah, um, with, you know, the same creators, the same stars uh, reappearing. So if um, 2018 wasn't as big as it was, then no doubt we would have got maybe a movie like this at some point. But... Um, because it's as successful as it was, then this, you know, four years... Well, in fact, if it wasn't for COVID, we could have been talking about this movie last year. <laughs> yeah. This this was supposed to have been a done thing a long time ago. Like, just two yes. movies, and then it ends. But they got greedy. Um, researching this, it's the studio interference into the Halloween franchise, it just never works out. And I don't know why they insist on doing it. Um, just let the people make the movies and sit back and rake in the cash. Like that's all you have to do. But they insisted on Halloween kills, which it's not a bad thing. I, I do think that like, again, like Michael Myers, the, the story is very straightforward. He comes, he appears on Halloween and he kills. So for Halloween kills, it just continues the night he came home again. Um, but I do think something I didn't mention in my review, but like making Halloween ends happen years into the future. I think that just, it steals some momentum. It like, it ruins the momentum of the franchise. It should have all been on that one Halloween night. Um, I agree. So it's, it just feels very awkward for this to be happening later. But overall, I don't think the idea of a trilogy is bad. I just think if they wanted to have one, they needed to have thought of that before. Well, 
I, they couldn't anticipate the success of the movie. This feels like it doesn't have a plan to it. Even if we remove Halloween Kills, I don't feel like Halloween 2018 really moves into this movie. Do you, do you feel like there was like an overall plan to it or did they just make, make it up as they went along? There are points in Halloween. So going back to our first conversation, I can't remember if I said this at the same or if I just, if I have, you know, if we, if I have said it during a podcast or maybe I've just said it in an escape conversation, but um, I said that I always thought that they would bring back the Laurie is Michael's sister thing because um, after repeated viewings of the 2018 movie, I thought that there was hints that there was something more to it, um, which turned out was not true at all. <laughs> that there was, there was no, you know... Any hints that you see in those other movies, um, nothing actually happened in this movie. So um, going back to when we talked about Halloween Kills and we were talking, and, you know, one of the things that we both said is we thought that there was the house had something to do with Michael Myers and that happened, that had nothing to do with the story. So um, I, I did think when I read about the story and what this movie would be about, that we would see more, I guess, it was set four years later for a reason, that we had to see the impact of COVID and people keeping their distance and following the all the guidelines, but we never really seen that in this movie, so I, I didn't really get the point of it. No, it's... They were supposed to mention, or they well, they said they were going to mention COVID in the movie, and I remember we were both against it because yes. I think at the time we were still in the midst of lockdown, and it was kind of like I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in a pandemic in real life. I don't want to hear about it <laughs> in the movie, and movies today are they were they didn't mention it in Pearl, of course, uh, the this the prequel to the uh, I think it's Ty West movie X. They don't mention COVID in that movie, of course, because it's in the past, but they do have people walking around wearing masks. And then in the Glass Onion movie, they, they have mask wearing people mm-hmm. because of COVID. And it just makes me so exhausted. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm making it four years later. Um, and then Lori is not really obsessed with the death of her daughter. She kind of got over it. So the promise that the, uh, the movie, Halloween kills made was that I'm coming for you, Michael. You killed my daughter. I'm going to get you. But in this movie, she's baking pies and she's dealt with her grief and she's kind of over it. And she's more Jamie. She's more like Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie than <laughs> Laurie Strode. I've heard other people say that, but I, that's, I, that's what I felt my first watch when she's like cursing up a storm and she's talking about tits and sex and stuff. I'm like, that's Jamie. That's what I see when I see an interview with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I did think that um, they had to do this for a reason, that um, all the trailers had that moment where um, Michael opens the door. Well, it turns out that was Corey, but Corey opens the door and Laurie's behind the door and she's got a gun. Mm -hmm. So I did think going into the movie, right, so obviously they can't start with that because otherwise that means that Laurie dies and They'll probably want... Well, we, we, we did talk last time that, you know, we thought maybe Laurie would die in this one and then Andy would live... Not Andy. <laughs> um, Alison would live. Yes. And 
she would be the final girl, um, and then that symmetry of both Laurie and Michael dying at the same time to complete the series, but then they, um, which they were sort of going in that route that um, Michael was going to kill Laurie, and then Alison would, that's what I thought was happening, that you know, um, Laurie had the upper hand in the situation, but maybe got a bit cocky, and then that led to her dying. And then um, Alison would have come in and then killed Michael. But in the end, um, of course, Michael dies in the end, and everyone lives happily, well, except for Corey. (laughs) (laughs) And um, then with the, the trailer's... Um, the trailers did begin with that that scene, which I knew would actually ha- happen towards maybe the middle or at the end of the movie. So I can see the point that they had to have some other story in the background. Um, she can't have that scene towards you know towards the start of the movie. Otherwise, where would you go for the next ninety minutes? Exactly. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like, um, I, as always, I watched the first couple of seconds of the trailer and I was like, that's, that's all for me. So I went back after I watched the movie to watch the trailer and the final battle between Michael and Lori, because it's their only confrontation is the entire trailer. So you're mm-hmm. just wait, you can like what you're doing, like what you did saying, like, you know, if, if this happens at this point, this can't happen until this other point in the movie when you see the trailer, like you can piece together the movie and it's just, it ruins the experience. So I'm glad I didn't watch it. Yeah. They have no interaction, but at the end of the movie and they do this thing where it's like, she, he gets, he grabs her and there's a possibility he's going to kill her. And she flashes back through all the other movies in her mind. And it's kind of like, remember Halloween, remember the, the, remember the past. This is, it's all been building to this very moment where Lori might die. And I felt nothing. Like I didn't, I felt no anticipation. Like when he comes in the house, it's kind of a well-directed scene where she, she's, she's in the kitchen. It's like, she's on the ground and she kind of senses the shape is here. Right. Cause she doesn't see him, but she, she knows that he's in the house and she's, getting herself prepared to fight him. So that I like that moment. And then there's the part where he's Michael puts his mask on and she casually walk it walks behind him in the background. So she's doing the whole, I'm kind of a, a killer too, Michael get ready for me. That whole thing is supposed to be again, this building that we've been building up to this, but it, it the rest of the movie has nothing to do with Michael and Lori. So when you get to Michael and Lori, it does, I felt nothing. And it, it was, it was so disappointing that this, the final battle, it could have been between anybody. If she fought Corey and that was it, I, it would have been the same feeling because she, she does fight Corey and like Corey comes to her to kill her. Cause again, it's more about her, her and him than it is about her and Michael. So I guess the question is for you, like, did you feel as a Halloween fan when it came down to the, the two heavyweights, Michael and Lori fighting for the final time? How did you feel? I feel like, yeah, anticlimactic. Um, they needed to have it in a bigger space, I think. Um, just having it in that tiny kitchen where, you know, very small space. Uh, suddenly, Michael's on the, the kitchen table and 
then Laurie's, um, I guess, slicking his wrist, slicking his throat, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then when Alison came in and she said the thing about, um, oh, someone said he's dead now and she said it's not enough. I liked that as, as a line, but then the whole execution of the next part, I didn't like. Um, but the, the final battle, I knew that that would be, you know, closer towards the end of the movie, but it did seem very random that it just happened that way. Um, instead of some build up to it that maybe like ideally it would be that maybe she sees him down the street and then there's no chase and then she lures him in a trap into the house and then um, or even when um, there's that moment when she confronts Corey about seeing Alison that's where I think the build-up should have started, that maybe um, you look at the window and there's Michael and that's where the, the final um, you know, the final run of the movie should have been. Yeah. Definitely some a lot more of we are building to this moment. We This is the last time that Jamie Lee Curtis on screen is going to fight this character. And I apologize for anyone listening that you might be thinking, he's just rambling. I am very passionate about this, this uh, franchise. I do have hmm. a set of notes that I am working from, and I am not reading them because I am just going from my gut with how much I don't like this movie. Um, so I do apologize if I'm rambling. But I guess... To, did, um, hmm? What did you think of when Jamie Lee Curtis wrote that um, she was on Jimmy Kimmel, I think, and she said that she signed a contract, well, a, a fake contract, that she'd never be in another Halloween fi- film. Well, I hope she can do like a Jamie Lee Curtis thing. A very Jamie Lee Curtis thing to do would be to take that contract, tear it up and say, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't give... That's not legally binding. Contact my lawyer. No, it's like. Not. Like, give, <laughs> yeah, like give the finger to the camera, or whatever, and do another movie. <laughs> um, but I don't know if I would want another Halloween movie. I do have an idea of like what my ideal sequel would be. It would it even matter if she can? They, of course, they can come back and do another one. They can reboot the franchise as many times as possible. But I don't know if I even I'm even in the mood for another Halloween. Not that I'm I'm done with the franchise, of course. But I think that. Well, something I want to get into towards the end of the recording is like, what would your, now that we have so many different timelines, we can talk about it now. Since we have so many different timelines, people are picking and choosing which one they consider to be their head canon. So what would be your, like, how your ideal Halloween franchise? Like, which movies do you think are, is your head canon? Oh, yeah. So it would be Halloween one, Halloween two, H2O, and then, stop <laughs> that's that's the perfect halloween franchise for me yep that's completely agree agree with you um i think halloween the halloween h2o timeline is the one i pick because the, the decapitation is the best ending it's what you always wanted someone to do to michael and it's so satisfying the way the movie just cuts to, to the credits the relief on her face it's good i mean it's not a great movie we talked about the mask not being very well. The person playing Michael is not the best stunt Michael Myers ever, but her coming back was cool. Um, 
the ending was really cool. Her fighting him was really cool. Like the whole, they were just going to town through the whole uh, college. Was it college or high school? The private school. They they tore it oh, up. Oh yeah, the high school. They tore it up. She she stabbed him off a balcony. He was flipping tables. It was just really really good. Um, so that's my ending. But um, for this movie, one thing that was confusing to me is the relationship between Corey and Michael. So I don't know how to really approach this because, well, with Corey, I didn't understand why he was emulating Michael more than just becoming his own unique serial killer. Because even if Michael transfers, even if Michael transfers some of his evil into him or, see, it's hard to talk about this because, well, let's start start from, from, from the beginning. Was Corey always evil or was it a transference of evil? What do you think? Well, I think what the movie is trying to see is that Corey is a good person. And then because this one incident happened, which was an accident, but he's viewed as a villain in the town. Um, I, I may have thought a bit too much about it, but <laughs> I was I kept sitting there thinking, how would he get a job? And um, did he go to prison and all these sort of things which you're not you're not really supposed to think about but um the the town has turned against him because of this incident that mm-hmm. he's killed the six um seven seven year old boy which was an accident but they don't think it that way um so because of that happening then that has turned him into a villain and um he could be a good person but he's always going to be viewed as a villain, so he thinks that he might as well become what these people expect of me. I don't see how that relates to Michael Myers, since he did kill his sister intently. Yes. But <laughs> it's supposed to be... Um, I think we're also supposed to think that way about Michael, that he continues to kill because the the town all see him as the person that killed six people back in 1978. So for Corey, I was I was leaning more so like maybe he had like a seed of evil lurking within him because in the beginning of the movie, when he does kill this kid, a lot of side note, a lot of movies these days are like really enjoying killing kids because there's a (laughs) really gruesome kid death in uh, Megan, um, which is also shown in the trailers. (laughs) I'm I'm going to say that I hate that about horror movies that kids always get a free pass so in those like in the 2018 movie um there's been quite a few moments throughout the halloween series where michael or even in the friday the 13th series when jason have avoided killing children when they could have and it's like i always question why (laughs) so um like, um, oh yeah, we were talking about when Michael comes into the house, kills the mother, and then leaves, and then leaves a baby there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I always thought, why didn't he just kill the, the baby? So I, I do <laughs> I do think that, um, you know, I don't think that kids should have a free pass. If you've got a serial killer, then he should be killing everyone. So I never understand that whole logic of, oh, just leave the kids alone, and then leave um that 
So that's that's refreshing that I guess more and more <laughs> movies are, are now doing that. <laughs> I forget what I was watching, but like someone had said, maybe he didn't kill the baby because the baby has no concept of like death. They were definitely overthinking it, but it was like maybe because like the baby can't realize like I'm being murdered and Michael wants you to know he's being murdered. Um, but yeah, he did. He killed that kid, Kevin, in the first movie. Um, and, Teenager, though. Yeah. And then part two, he killed. It was like a preteen he killed and took his mask. But I feel like mm. movies these days, they're like, they're making up for old time, for like lost time with all these kids that didn't get killed because they are slaughtering kids <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot. Uh, um, but the point I was trying, what was it? Oh, yeah. Um, with Corey, I feel like, cause in the beginning when he kicks that kid or he kicks the door and kills that kid, he's, he's in the room. He's like, open the fucking door. I'm going to fucking kill you. It's like, I get you're scared. Um, but saying something like that is kind of dark. So mm. I, was, I was wondering, like, maybe. It was always there. It just needed someone to tap into it. Um, That's a good point. And another one other thing, a side note, is like, okay, you live in an era of tablets and smartphones and whatever. Corey knew the parents were coming home. Why was he freaking out like that? Just sit down and wait 20 minutes. You didn't have to blow up like that. Um, I'm not saying his lack of patience is, is like a sign of him being evil, but like, I didn't get the whole need of Michael Myers wasn't in the room with, with him. So I, didn't, <laughs> I don't get why he was so upset. But, um, the, but to go on about his, like his, his whole descent into being like a serial killer, like he, he says like, there's that part where he goes, cause he gets pushed off a, a bridge. And so throughout this whole movie, He's being bullied by some band geeks, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so during one of these confrontations, he gets pushed off a bridge and falls and hurts himself. And it's kind of like maybe he's dead, maybe he's not. And the kids run off um, to leave him there. And Corey's like, he's like in his mid-20s and he's being bullied by these teenagers, which is kind of funny. Um, so he he's dragged into a sewer by Michael Myers. And... It's like Michael has been hiding here since Halloween kills and he's this decrepit old shadow of himself and he, but he gets stronger the more he kills. So it's like Michael dragged him here to kill him. And so he escapes, but he knows Michael is down there and he has, I think, frequent visits to Michael. He brings him victims. So the point I'm trying to get at is, is like, why did he feel the need to take Michael's mask and become Michael instead of being Corey, like he had his own a uh, scarecrow mask be the scarecrow killer like i don't get him needing to be michael do you have any ideas on that is it not because we have that moment where michael's just about to kill Corey, and it feels like you know there is that transfer of evilness like you were talking about and then Corey doesn't get it's not like in that instant Corey becomes Michael or there's a body switch, but he does get some of the evil from Michael and because this mask is that ultimate weapon that um, Michael uses for his identity that Corey wants to use that too. So one other, one other thing. So Michael in the original movie, he got his mask at a corner store. How about That's you, true. Corey Cunningham, 
Take your ass to the corner store (laughs) and get your own mask. I Mm -hmm. I don't get why he needed that specific mask. Unless they're saying, you know, we discontinued this mask for whatever reason, which I doubt because Ben Tramer walked his ass to the corner store and got a a mask. And I don't, it would be popular. It would be something that people would recreate and sell on Amazon or Etsy stores. He can get his own things. I don't, that's why I kept thinking that this movie was more about Corey becoming the new Michael because they want him to have that specific mask. So he Mm -hmm. looks like that specific version of Michael so we can carry that on but then he gets killed so but then do you remember in the um when he's in the cave the sewer system you can see like a carving of Michael's face in a wall no no I didn't notice that far so like yeah when he's when Corey's in the sewer he's like Michael's in like this crevice like huddled out and when he passes by Michael grabs him and like you can see like his Michael's face in the, or it's, it's somewhere in the sewers. Like there's a, a, like a shadow of his face, like carved into the wall. And I have no theories on that. I do think that uh, this is a cynical thought, but I do think that there are little mysteries that they drop into these movies so they can have like people like me and you podcasters, YouTubers (laughs) talk about them. That don't mean shit because, (laughs) because like we, why was he, why was he staring out his sister's window? Let's talk about that for a 15 minute episode Uh, things you missed in Halloween ends. There's a a carving of his face on the wall. Like it doesn't really mean anything. And like, I have no theories. I just feel like it's, just mystery box nonsense by nonsense by the writers. So to talk about Michael in this movie, we have to kind of talk about the space or the time that happened in between the last movie and this one. So at the end of Kills, he slaughters a bunch of people, including like two legacy characters. Then he kills Laurie's daughter with a heavy police presence nearby. We're supposed to believe that he then hides out in the very town where he killed dozens of people, cops, firefighters, and he did not get caught. I can't, I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this movie was going to have either Lori. I thought this movie was going to have Lori like travel cross country looking for him or this Halloween, for whatever reason, he came back. Do you find it believable that he could have hit out for this long in the very place he killed dozens? It's um, it's sort of like in the so going back to Halloween each show, and you sort of think, well, if he's been missing for twenty years, where was he? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, I don't think you could like if it if it was an actual serial killer that's killed um, I think over thirty people in Halloween Kills. Plus, you've got the the people that he killed in the 2018 movie so all in one night it's about 40 or so people that were that were murdered then i'm sure you would have you know hundreds of police out looking for him in that town so i don't think you could hide if it were you know a real story (laughs) no it's just it's really hard to believe and it's like so yeah i have have in my notes because i went back to and watched the dead meat kill counts um he has killed 47 people including two cops and nine firefighters. Oh, wow. So I I don't, I don't understand the storytelling choice of having him just be right in the sewers. And it feels like, it feels just really like a disappointing 
I'm not sure what to call it, like a disappointing element to the story, like just to have him hiding in a sewer. Like, you might as well just have him hiding in someone's basement, under their bed, in their closet. I would like a more creative way of him disappearing somewhere. Um, I would give one point to the Rob Zombie movies. I think in the second one, we do see that he's like a traveling hobo. So the question of where Michael is, is answered. So good for you, Rob Zombie. Um, you, <laughs> you did one better than this movie. But um, another point about the time between this movie and the last one, we were told that the more he kills, the stronger he gets. He killed 47 people. He should be like Super Mario who, when he gets the star, like just invincible right now. But he's kind of like aged Michael Myers. Like he's showing his age. And then it's kind of implied that he's been killing during the interim. Right? Like he, there are missing yes. posters. Definitely. Um, there's uh, the hobo. There's a homeless person or an unhoused person who is by the sewer where Michael lives. And he's, he's like, people go in there and they don't come out. So why is he like this? Why is he not strong? Plus the whole theory of that, that he needs to kill to become, become strong. Just, I mean, there's the period when he was six years old up until 21, where I don't think he killed anyone then. No. <laughs> or maybe, um, maybe their excuse is that he was young then. But between that time and... 21 years old, no kills. Then he kills a few people in 1978, then goes into incarceration 40 years, no kills during that time. No. <laughs> and then um, he's still like really strong in that 2018 movie. So, yeah, I don't, I don't get the, the whole theory of that. It goes back to the lack of planning these movies has. It feels like, again, they just... I know Halloween Kills wasn't supposed to exist, but if you're writing the movie, you know that if you're writing Halloween Kills and you're deciding to say the more he kills, the stronger he gets, you have to have go back to your 2018 movie and see, well, does that new element make sense? Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't fit. So what you do no. is you don't write it into the movie. You remove it. <laughs> Because in, in this movie, Halloween ends, he's, he kills, when he kills somebody, he's like, he's, I'm, you can't see me. So let me explain what I just did. He kills people and he kind of does like this shimmy, like I'm getting stronger. Like I can feel the energy surging in my <laughs> body and I'm sitting here shaking in my chair, but, um, he's, he, you can see visually, like he killed somebody. So now he's getting stronger. And then Corey, his, a wound that he has on his hand seals up. Um, because Michael's killing, because they're both killing. So they're healing. They have a healing factor. But if that's the case, if you're trying to introduce that into movie three in the first movie, when Michael gets shot and stabbed and all this other stuff, we see that his hand, he, his fingers were shot off, but he kills people after that happens. So his hand, if his fingers don't grow back, the wound should not be there. But he, we see him bandage, bandaging himself up. So. It doesn't make sense. It's just not making sense. Oh, you know, um, when you were saying about James Goodchild Courtney as a cameo as Michael Myers, is that because Michael Myers was mostly played by Nick Castle in this movie? No, I was um just saying that Michael Myers is not in this movie very much. So he's, ah, it's a right, cameo right. by Michael Myers <laughs> right, right. in this movie. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, the whole the whole healing factor thing it, it goes in, into 
kind of explaining what Michael is or trying to have a set of rules for him, which is something you should never do. But another thing, um, so the, un- yes, uh, the, the, the town, I feel like with each movie, the townspeople become less sympathetic because there are people in this movie who are outright attacking Laurie for like illogical reasons. Like you, you antagonized him. That's why he, he's out. So in this movie, we find out that one of the victims in part two did not die. The woman who was um, stabbed in the neck, in the neck yes. with a fluorescent light bulb while her husband was pincushioned by Michael. So Lori finds her outside of a supermarket and well, Lori's leaving a supermarket and she's accosted by this woman. She's like, you, this is why my sister is like this. And we, the, the camera pans over to her sister who's in a wheelchair and she's, I'm not sure if she's in it. I'm pretty sure she's unable to speak, but I, I guess she, um, she's also been, maybe she lost the use of her legs and arms. I'm not sure, but she's not in a good state. And the sister is attacking Lori. And then in the previous movie, we had the whole evil dies tonight townspeople and they all led to the death of that, um, mental patient. So every movie you become, you kind of come to hate Haddonfield more and more. <laughs> and I, and, and I don't get why. And it's also like the, the townspeople are to blame for Corey and for Michael as well. You talked about this earlier that because they didn't give Michael and Corey any grace for the things they've done, that they turned them into monsters. I don't like the vilification of Haddonfield. It's, it's terrible. Do you, uh, do you have any, do you agree? Do you have any thoughts on like, uh, I did sort of think that that woman had a point. <laughs> that, um, because if you go back to the 2018 movie, Laurie kept saying, or she said to the policeman, that she wants him to escape. She wants to kill him. And then she gets her wish. He he does he does escape. And she does get that encounter with him. She doesn't succeed. He doesn't die. But then he's free to then attack a lot of other people that die that night and um, I guess the back of my mind I always have, it's not just me there are a few people that have a theory that she is responsible for crashing that bus that leads <laughs> to Michael escaping um, I think we talked about it on the, the first podcast um, that it's not said in the movie but I always have this theory that she is responsible for that bus crashing which leads to of course Michael escaping and then leads to all these events happening so for that reason part of me thinks "Mm, she's got a point there (laughs) we did talk about it and it was in the original version of that story that she was going to be the one to release Michael but I feel like her the reaction she got from that woman's sister they live in the world where she did do that Mm -hmm. they do they that Lori actually did release Michael and they know she did. And it's her fault. Like Lori didn't do that though. No. Um, And so I don't really get why people would be mad at her for him, but I guess it's an irrational, like your sister was almost murdered. So it's a family member. So you, you can't lash out at Michael. So you want to do the next best thing. And there's Lori Strode looking happy and, and whatever. So I'm going to going to attack her. But before I move too far from this uh, from this part of the movie. This was my favorite scene in the movie where it actually made me smile. Um, not the the horrible state of her sister, but the scene in the supermarket where 
Laurie and the cop are flirting and mm-hmm. it's really well acted and they're both very old and adorable and I was just sitting there smiling like I really I was enjoying myself that was like the one time in the movie I enjoyed myself <laughs> but I the, another weird thing I might be off base with this but I, I don't think so I think that these movies are talking a little bit about cancel culture and it's like Michael and Corey were canceled but they deserve to be forgiven I feel like that's what's happening I have no strong evidence, but it feels like Corey and Michael were canceled. The town was wrong for canceling them. You should forgive people when they do horrible things like like murder. I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis did mention cancel culture in one of her interviews. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I, I'm good at film analysis because yes. I, I feel it was, I, I just had that strong feeling like this movie is about, you know, You've taken taken these two people and they did make mistakes. They were horrible mistakes. But when you don't forgive people, when you act like a, a woke mob and you attack people, you turn them into monsters and see you're the true monsters. And it's I'm just like, oh, please don't let that. I hope that's not what this is about. But I, I think that it is. Um, And it's to the detriment of the, the overall story, like the way you try, you make the town full of potential victims into actual monsters. So now I don't care about anybody. Oh, that's another thing in this movie. All the victims are horrible people and you have no sympathy for any of them. So this, it just kind of ruins the death scenes. So going back, um, thinking in my mind, um, I know that there's the, the bullies that they get murdered. Um, Because this, um, out of the out of the three movies, this has the least amount of kills. So I know that there are the bullies. Um, Corey eventually dies. Um, then the kid in the beginning, who else um, lost their lives? Um, his stepfather is killed by the bully oh, yeah. by accident. Um. His stepfather's killed by the bullies. Um, his he kills his mother. Then he kills the DJ, and he kills the DJ's assistant. Oh, and um, the person, um, Allison was looking for this job promotion. She didn't get it, and the person that did get it, they die. Um, she dies, and then the the boss that it turns out she's sleeping with, he dies too. Yeah, and it's. Those two characters are also kind of like bullies as well. They bully her. They're unfair to her. The, the whole thing mm-hmm. about because she's sleeping with him, because her coworker is sleeping with the doctor, um, she gets the promotion over Allison. So that's why um, Corey kills them because Allison tells him her about t- Allison tells him about that, and then the two D- the two DJs, the homeless person, and a guy who is like harassing Allison. It's oh, a, yeah. a cop in the town. I remember now. But yeah, it's, it's a, everyone is like an anta- antagonist to either Allison or Corey. Ex- the only innocent person really was his mother and his father, his stepfather. And the mother is really, she kisses him on the mouth. <laughs> there was that one bully that she wasn't really a bully. She was just going along with everything. But she was trying to defend Corey. And yet, 
that's the one that he stands on her on her face. Yeah, he uh he does he kills her the sartain way. He steps on her, and that's that is always rough. Um, when someone gets stepped on, it's it's disrespectful. It's it's ter- it's disgusting. Her head pops open like a. That's one of the more Ugh. gruesome deaths in the movie. Hmm. Um, I guess we could talk about the kills. But yeah, the um, the, my final thoughts on the the victims is that it's. I don't like in move in horror movies where the victims are really reprehensible and you're kind of cheering for their deaths. I know some people, not everybody's a good person. So some people like, sure, they're jerks and they get killed, but I don't want to be rooting for the killer. I want to, you know, how be like, Oh, why did you die? I, I was rooting for you. I felt nothing, <laughs> none of that for no, anybody in this movie except the dad. He, <laughs> he gets his head blown off. Um, <laughs> but the kills in this movie were particularly, they were good. Um, there's that one when the bullies come to the the mechanic shop that Corey works at. He offs all of them and his stepfather gets killed. He steps on that one girl. Another girl gets like beat to death. And then there's like this kind of out of focus shot of him like using a blowtorch in someone's mouth. Which is, oh, yeah. which is really rough. And then he cut the DJ. He cuts that guy's tongue off and like bangs his head onto the DJ's record table or whatever. It's some pretty good kills. And then, of course, Michael does his, I'm going to pin you to the wall and stab you with the head tilt. And I was like, oh, God, I should, I should <laughs> feel something for, I, I should be like, yes, that's, that's the Michael thing to do. But I, I feel really bad that this person is dead. But I, I, overall, I'm just feeling, I'm, I've seen this a thousand times. I do want to go on and on about how Haddonfield was just, was Haddonfield was made to be a town full of idiots that deserve to die. And I don't know <laughs> why the writers chose that. Um, but speaking of like Haddonfield of it in and of itself, one thing that's not really mentioned is, well, Allison does do this at the end of the movie. Let me, let me slow it down and bring myself back to the point. So at the, at the end of the movie, Allison decides to leave town, which is something that no one seems to know how to do. Um, Corey, I know moving is expensive. It's, it's hard, but I really feel like when you're someone like Corey and you did what you did and everyone knows you did what you did and it's affecting your day to day life, it would like behoove you to <laughs> stack up some money and move. Um, but everyone just stays in town and even Lori, who lost her, her daughter is still in town. I don't get it. That's um, one of the things I was thinking too, that she's, um, because she, oh, well, first, actually, the first thing that I thought is that she's just burned down her, her house. How does she get the money to buy this other house? She's too old for a mortgage. <laughs> and what we don't, you know, I don't know what she even done. You know, she must have had a really good job in her life to have the money to buy this new house. Insurance scams? I really have. She did some guest hosting on podcasts. Oh, actually, that's a good point that she, you know, if she did have insurance on the house, even though she did commit arson and, (laughs) you know, destroyed the house herself. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, possibly that could be it. (laughs) 
I don't know what she could have done. Um, she did mention that was she married once or twice. Maybe she's getting some sort of spousal support. It, oh, yeah. it really doesn't make any sense that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind a little subplot of where, you know, Lori's living in a cramped apartment because she can't make ends meet some, something like it, but she mm-hmm. kind of just enters this movie where she's just well adjusted. She has a brand new, nice ass house. Her granddaughter has a nice job. I mean, her work situation is not really great, but they don't seem too much affected by what happened. And that was disappointing. But yeah, they, eventually Allison does move, which she should have Lori with her. Um, but Lori decides to stay in, stay in town and she begins what seems like a romantic relationship with the cop whose name I cannot remember. De- Deputy Frank. That's that's the name I see. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's in the notes. One thing that... So, yes, Laurie ideally wouldn't still be in Haddonfield even after all these years. So because it's um, it's something that she'd had, she had to live through, that she every day was training for that day where he es- escaped, why would you stay in the same town? <laughs> yeah, and then you let so, your guard down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then that's one thing that I thought. Second thing is that I didn't understand why they needed to have Lindsay Wallace in this movie. So she had a big part in the, the second movie. You know, um, it was leading to, I thought that this movie would have Lindsay, Allison and Laurie trying to you know, well, they would be, of course, the new, um, or Lindsay would be the replacement for G- um, Laurie's door. Mm-hmm. But then she works in a bar, she does some fortune teller stuff, and then I can't even remember if she was there in that final scene where we see everyone in the sound trying, you know, come to the yard to see Michael get butchered. I can't remember either. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't see the point in having Lindsay in the movie since she didn't have any impact to the story. Um, we've certainly never seen a death scene or even um, her taking part in you know the destruction of Michael in the end. Yeah, it, I would have. Ex- I expected her to like have a chase scene again or a fight scene or she she's included somehow in this i mean i know that she's a legacy character you expect her to do something in the movie interact something with michael maybe it's kind of what you want to happen but it doesn't and that's another thing that i kind of resent about this movie and kills it it kind of does this weird uh it does this weird thing where it's kind of like, this is a character that you like. These are things that you want to happen, but we're not going to do that. They're just going to die. So it's kind of like this movie. You wanted Lindsay back. You want to see her encounter Michael. She's not going to do that. Your <laughs> expectations are subverted. We, <laughs> that's how we tell good stories by just robbing, just by not doing the thing you want, you, that your audience wants you to do. Well, the only other thing was... So, I think we both believe that this will be the final movie. So, can you see um, what are your your thoughts on 
when will it come back and how would it come back Ooh, um i have ideas on that um i do think well they did say michael myers is going to come back um i believe they're going to sell the rights to a different studio or a company i'm not sure how those things work but they say it's not going to be with is it through blumhouse right now blumhouse yeah so it's going to go somewhere else they're not going to produce any more sequels that that's what i think i read um i could see it happening within the next five years they'll do another one um i'm hoping i don't i really don't know how they can do it i think that they could create a sequel to this one. Michael's mask is still there. Um, as I said before, there should be a whole shop. There should be shops across the country, uh, Halloween <laughs> cities that have this mask. Um, so there's always a chance for someone to do a copycat, put the thing on, put the mask on and be Michael. Um, because this movie introduced supernatural elements, that, that means that there are other people out there with the potential to be infected with this evil virus and become immortal serial killers as well. Um, so it, it can happen in so many different forms. Um, uh, I was gonna say Laurie Strode, but Jamie Lee says she's not coming back. So I can see this happening again. Them contriving some way that Corey comes back and he's after, um, Allison or, we just meet a new set of people and there's uh, another white mask serial killer or they replace gods forbid they um, recast Lori to continue the story. That would be let's if I had to do like an ideal sequel to, to the worst sequel, ideally follow Allison, whatever, right? Because they, she's the <laughs> new character, the worst sequel we replace Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode and go from there. What do you think? I don't, well, I don't think they will continue this story. So I think this is the end of this version of Halloween. And I see that there is a new show called Camp Crystal Lake. So I think they might go into a TV series so maybe um, thinking back on it um, throughout the last 45 years, there's only been maybe, well, the, the longest gap between a Halloween movie has been nine years between Halloween, uh, the, Ro- the Rob Zombie Halloween 2 and the 2018 film. Um, and then usually it's somewhere between five and six years on average. So I think... So that was that was 2022. So I can see by at least 2030 that we'll have something new. Um, that could be a new remake of the series, you know, starting with a new st- or maybe a different version of the original film. It could be a TV series. Um, something else they could do would be, like you were saying, have a brand new story with where Michael Myers happens to be in the movie. I hope that they don't... Um, they did touch on it a bit with this movie, but I'm hoping they never go through the, the copycat killer route. Yeah, please. But I think when it comes back as a movie, then they'll start afresh 
and do maybe a modern version of it where a six-year-old boy kills his sister and then flash forward 15 years. I wanted to say I hope they don't reboot it, but I'm pretty sure they're going to reboot it. I mean, how many Spider-Men do we have? I can see them doing well, that. I was I was saying to you that I had listened to that podcast where it's um, it's audio commentaries of that they've actually got from the DVDs. So um, I was listening to the audio commentary for Halloween H2O and Jamie Lee Curtis and the director go through the whole story of they wanted to end the series, but they couldn't. So I don't see that that's gone away. I'm sure that that's still a thing, that there's some legal thing that they can't end the series. So that leads us to all believe that eventually they will bring it back somehow. That's yeah, it definitely is a thing. Um, that's kind. Of, I believe it's written into contracts. I think yeah, uh, one of the producers, his name is Mustafa Akkad. Yes, I think his son is now in charge of it because that guy has since passed away. Yes, he is in charge of it, and is and it's something written somewhere where it says Michael Myers cannot be killed on screen, and that's that's something his father created, and that's something he's carrying on, and I really feel like that if that's the case. All of these movies are kind of like doomed because to have you to write that and to make that a clause means you cannot get that finality that you would want in a movie where, you know, Laurie finally kills Michael. That there's yes. always the promise, the idea that he's going to come back kind of ruins that. Like, you know, it's the end. Roll credits. These people are going to live their lives. Michael Myers free. You don't really need to write that down anywhere. He can he can die. And then, you know, you can just have him come back somewhere else don't let it be known that you you're never going to kill him because people are going to just they're never going to leave the theater satisfied i remember after leaving 2018 i was walking out and some lady some strange like a strange lady i've never met before she looks at me and i i'm looking at her and and you can tell with passing between us we're like he's not dead and i and i asked her i was like you don't think he's dead do you and she was like nope no we had a whole conversation because you can just tell that's what she was thinking but it just ruins everything but i think um another a good idea for a sequel now that we've seen a reboot of Lori's life what about a reboot of her daughter whose name i oh, can't, yeah. can't remember right now um jamie jamie lloyd oh that door <laughs> yeah oh no <laughs> a sequel with karen no um like uh because the actress i forget her she was in the halloween reboots with the rob zombie one she was in these oh, um, um hmm? so jamie lloyd um daniel harris of course yes um and also scott scout taylor compton do a podcast together um i think I can't remember what it was called, Final Girls or Screen Queens, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, did you hear the story that they had met? So they had met Jamie Lee Curtis. No, I've never heard of this or their podcast. They they were invited to the Halloween Ends premiere, and it wasn't just them. There was also um, Heather Landing Camp and some other big you know, screen queen type person was also there. And, you know, they got they got to do a photo 
with all the the final girls and it went on some magazine but in this podcast they they describe how they met Jamie Lee Curtis and they were they they were so excited they thought it would be this big moment um but then Jamie Lee Curtis was quite dismissive of both of them stop and just, it <laughs> so they had it in their mind that um like Daniel Harris, I've played I played your daughter for a few years, and it's the the role I'm most known for. Um, it's changed my life. Um, you're such an inspiration to me. So she had all these things she was going to say to Jamie Lee Curtis, but Jamie Lee just stopped her instantly and was just like, um, "I I've never watched those movies. Never will. I don't know who you are." And that's it. <laughs> My mouth is on the floor right now. Oh, what? <laughs> and then um, Scout Taylor Compton then said that she didn't want to share her story, but it was it was basically the same as what happened to no! Daniel Harris. Oh my gosh! Why are you you, you are sending me <laughs> right now? Oh my gosh! <laughs> and you know what? I believe it. I, I've watched, she is a firecracker in interviews, right? She's, 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 she's blazing. Like when she's, she takes charge. When she's in these interviews, her personality is like 9,000. But I always thought she was at least a kind person. But I can see based on how she's in interviews, how she kind of like dominates the interviews. I've seen a couple of, of her, um, when she was making the rounds for Halloween kills with the actress who plays Karen. And yes. she was bullying over her during these things. Like the the lady could not get a word in. <laughs> you can see on her face, she was kind of like, "I have to deal with this all the fucking time." <laughs> so, but I at least thought that okay, okay, she has a her personality dominates. I can understand that she can be abrasive, but I always thought she was at least kind. But I did too. Although um, part of me does think I don't know what to believe because we've only got their side of the story, and I've seen. People discuss it a lot on, you know, Facebook groups about the Halloween series that some think they just made up that story to get some attention, which could be true too. So, um, but then I know that I have heard her say in interviews, Jamie Lee Curtis, that is, of how those movies that she's not in, Halloween 4, 5, 6, um, the Rob Zombie movies that those are beneath her shoe type of thing. So I can sort of see her seeing that. But to, t- to have that attitude about them, those movies is one thing to like have the person who started in it, try to talk to you because you share mm-hmm. this common thing. And you're just like, you're like to treat her. Like you treat those movies is messed up. If that did in fact happen, these are all alleged. Of course we have. Yes. We, the vassals do, does not have a legal team. Do not sue us. Um, <laughs> Um, but I, let me just say, I can, I can believe it. A lot of celebrities, I'm pretty sure are just, are just jerks. <laughs> and I can see That's that. True. I can see that being true. I, they say never meet your heroes. I have no intention. I adore her movies. I adore, I adore these movies, not just even Halloween. I, I love her in other movies as well, but I would never want to meet Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't want to meet George R. R. Martin, <laughs> <laughs> but I can see. That that there that, that that could be the case. Even um John Carpenter has a bit of a is known to be a bit 
brusque. That's true. So I can see that. Then that's disappointing. Yeah, it's all, um, yeah, it's all about the money for him. <laughs> He's he he loves saying that he I I get my money and I play my video games. Uh, but yeah, that's sad. But um, would you would you like? <laughs> that's sad. I'm sad about that. But um, would you like a reboot with um Jamie Lloyd? Oh, um, that could um in this in this hypothetical world, of course, she didn't die in Halloween Six. <laughs> then yeah, I could um I could see um Halloween with Jamie Lloyd that he then tries, but then. I guess without having Donald Pleasance or Jamie Lee Curtis, I don't see the movie doing that well. Um, so success-wise, I can't see it. But I would like to see like a story involving her coming back. Yeah, they would have to... I think you, in that case, you would have to recast the Donald Pleasance role or... It, it would not be, it would, she's not a big draw. No offense to her, um, at all as, as a person, but she's definitely saying, like, you know, advertising the movie as the return of Jamie Lloyd is not going to really <laughs> no. bring people to the yard. But, um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it like a director streaming, direct to DVD sort of movie like that. I think it would be cool. Um, that would be one of the better ideas. I know Rob Zombie. What about, um, if John came back Ooh, from each show. That's another good one. Because Halloween Resurrection completely forgot he existed. Also, if anyone if anyone is listening to this episode, we I planned for 15, 30 minutes and we're it's over an hour now. Uh, <laughs> but th- but that would be a good one. I, I would like that. We just really, really like Halloween. Um I remember Back in 2002, when this was just after the the Resurrection film had been made, and I had watched it, because I think it was a few months later, and I had bought it on uh, VHS, so I had watched it, and then I was on holiday, and I spent hours in this internet cafe reading this, all these fan fiction scripts. And I read a really good one, which was for a Halloween 9 movie. And it was, they somehow connected all the stories together. So they had both Jamie Lloyd and John Meat. <laughs> and then they worked together to take down Michael. That would be another good idea. Like, um, trying to combine it all, it would be a difficult task. Very difficult, yes. The only thing, the only person, or the only, the only kind of person wild enough to attempt that would be someone doing fan fiction. But like, yes. it, it would be interesting to see that happen. I feel like that would be a, another draw. Like, we're combining all the timelines into one. Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. That would be another. That would kind of, that might be the best option, <laughs> or the most intriguing. Um, but I do. You were mentioning like the the camp. Crystal Lake TV show. Um, yes. I was reading some comics um, based on Halloween and they took place back when Michael was a child. And this was, it was all about, well, one of them was all about um, Michael's childhood in Smith's Grove. And he did commit some murders then. Oh yeah. But it was always easy for him to like, 
he, he doesn't speak, but it's kind of like someone dies and it's like, was it Michael Myers? Of course it was. <laughs> but and then uh, I believe one of his victims was uh, Dr. Loomis's girlfriend. And that's kind of one of the reasons why he's so invested in figuring out or killing Michael. So ah. you can have a TV show called Smith's Grove and have a Michael do stuff. Because as we established, Hollywood do follow trends. So um, I, Chucky, uh, well, in fact, there was a Scream TV series. Yes. So there's been a Scream. I've not watched that. Um, Scream TV series. Then Chucky had a series. You've got Camp Crystal Lake. Then possibly that's that's in my mind the top way that they'll bring back Michael Myers through a TV show. Maybe it, it would be uh, like set in the past or, well, actually set in the past is probably the best way to do it since he would be in his 70s by the time they do it. <laughs> yeah. Because he is getting up there in actual age, but then yes. you kind of wonder, well, the movie does tell you this, that he's, he is being affected by his age, which he shouldn't be because he's supposed to get stronger with kills. So wh- which is it, movie? I don't know. Um, mm. But there's another um, another idea I liked, um, which is kind of weird. But back in the original Halloween movie, when Loomis is talking with, uh, I believe, a, a cemetery caretaker, or I believe, or is it another cop? Regardless, um, he's he's telling Loomis about how in a different town, a guy like one night he just decided to up and kill his family and i've always wondered like what what happened with that like what is that what is that story trying to tell us like that there are people who just snap and they do that there are other michael myers out there so and i would always i always wanted to like see a movie based on that story mm-hmm. like a family annihilator like he just Maybe he has his own mask. Maybe he has his own his own thing, and he's out to kill his family. You know, a little Michael Myers cinematic universe. <laughs> but um, other than that, uh, that kind of answers the question I, I was going to ask in the end. Like, what is your ideal sequel? But I think we, I think that covers that. I would say, if I had to see another Halloween movie, if we could just erase these, I would like a movie. That was, let's not go into the future. Ideally, let's have like a direct sequel to the original Halloween movie set in like 1970s, 80s or whatever. Or let's say this. It's a direct sequel to the Halloween movie and it's Laurie Strode that's not influenced so much by Jamie Lee Curtis. She's the Laurie that you would imagine Lori Strode would be. She's an older woman. She has kids. She's a bit of a grandma. She's baking pies. She's she's a little bit shy still. Like the 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 the, the night he came home didn't have too much of an effect on her. I want to see that mousy shy Lori Strode. I don't want to mm-hmm. see this Terminator Two Sarah Connor mm-hmm. um, Lori Strode that we've seen with uh, when she was Karen Tate. I don't want to see the this rebooted one. I want to see the shy Lori. And then Michael comes back. So that's our review for Halloween Ends. I hope you've enjoyed. We have reviewed the other Halloween movies in this franchise, 2018, Halloween Kills, and previous episodes. Go check those out if you would like. If you're listening to this on a podcast app, please consider leaving a review. 
a star, something. Give us a boost. If you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and consider subscribing. We are the Vassals of Kingsbury podcast. We cover not only A Song of Ice and Fire, but a lot of other related media and topics as well. And we are still accepting new members. You too can be a vassal. Um, you too can have the essence of evil virus transferred into you if you would like. Go ahead and join. It's, it's fun. We accept new members. Join us on our Discord if you want to chat, hang out. Join us for episodes if you want to you know, host a podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. This has been Kevin and Glenn, your Halloween homies, and we're signing off until the inevitable reboot. Um, Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. This will be out by 2023. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. This has been VOK on WARG. And now here's Lord Eddard Stark with the weather. Winter is coming. So yeah, um, I thought it was really good. Um, it was oh, it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for like PG thirteen, it was a lot more graphic than what I expected. But like, I want to see it again because there's some things like about the end of it and some things about the plot that I kind of wanted more of. Have you seen it yet? It's um, I was reading about it earlier. I've not watched it, but I was um, reading the plot synopsis and um, would it. Would it be similar to Child's Play? The new one, yes. Um, the new one had the same kind of thing, like an AI doll that mm. can adapt and learn, um, that eventually learns the concept of death, and so it starts killing people. Well, in the Child's Play remake, I believe it was a disgruntled employee that sort of messed with the code in oh, the, yeah, yeah. the doll. You saw it, right? Yes, I've watched that. Yeah. So that's why he uh, started doing his murder rampage. But it was kind of the same thing. Like this doll is it's somebody's best friend, and then it starts murdering to to protect the person, and then it eventually turns on the person. So yeah, I, I can see similarities. Mm. But yeah, um, Megan was the dancing scene. I had always I had always thought like that was a scene specifically for social media because I don't know if you have have you kind of noticed like with certain movies and TV shows they have these moments that go viral. And now new shows and movies kind of, you can feel they're forcing these moments. Yeah, there was, um, I've not watched it yet, but um, the Wednesday series that had a, a dance in it and that's gone viral. Like I could see yes. multiple news stories about it on Facebook and um, I think it was on TikTok too. Yeah, I, I've heard of the dancing scene. I watched one episode of Wednesday and it was... I wouldn't say it was bad. It was just like, it's maybe I'm just too old for it. It's mm. not for me. It's, it just, it didn't grab my attention. It was, I felt it was a little bit cringe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't keep going with it. But yeah, I feel like the, that dancing scene in Megan is kind of like the dancing scene in Wednesday that where it's kind of like you, they, a, a writer's room was like, we need that. We need, what's that moment? What's that thing that people are going <laughs> to talk about? Because it happens and then it's just over and it's nothing like the rest of the movie. But the movie itself overall, I give it like a B minus. B+. Oh yeah, good. I I liked it more than Halloween uh, Ends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Corey Cunningham. My gosh. Did you know a review of it? And I missed missed the review because at that point, 
when they done that review. I probably took maybe a few months to get into the show, um, but I was instantly hooked on it and watched it probably three times. Um, I'm on quite a few Facebook groups that are discussing a lot of the theories surrounding it. So it's um, it has a similar vibe to A Song of Ice and Fire that the fandom can create so many theories and fan theories from it. So um really looking forward to that coming back for a second series. I think um I think that comes back in March. Really? I, I've heard about Yellow Jackets like social media and whatnot, but I didn't expect no one's ever mentioned that it was like a song of ice and fire, so maybe I might have to look that up. I did cancel my Netflix because the price mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous, but there are other ways of watching Yellow Jackets. I can I can catch up on that. <laughs> I don't um I don't know if it is on Netflix. Um certainly in the UK it's on a channel called Sky Atlantic, but um I don't know elsewhere where it's where it's shown in America. I'm pretty sure there's some sort of backwater scre- uh streaming screaming site. Uh backwater streaming site where you can watch Yellow Jackets. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was mm. kind of like a um Riverdale CW kind of show, but it's not that. It's um, I mean there is um because um the the main well it's split into two plots, so you have a plot where you're following the girls as teenagers and how they survive for a very long time in the woods in the middle of nowhere, um but then you've got flashes forward and back to when they're adults. So some of them are adults, some of them are not mentioned, so you sort of wonder what happened to them. Okay. That sounds... Yeah, I might might check that out. I wanted to watch... I'll check that out and also look up the show Dark that had a uh, really strong reputation for a while. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I think we can get into it now. We yep, can do sure, the whole recording sure. thing or the whole intro thing over again. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. <clears throat> 